Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Jeff Jenkins. Warm greetings, Jeff on this end. And I'm Stephen. Seeing the pictures uh, that you just saw in the preview uh, of the various parts of the Middle East and all over the world for that matter reminds me, Brother Stephen, I'm going to be in Jerusalem uh, oh. next, uh, next month. Wow. I'll be there for about 10 days and uh, Alicia behind the camera over there. She's going to be there as well. In fact, That's I think about wonderful. nine or ten people are coming from the church. Wonderful. We're looking forward to it. It's 52 or 53 people uh, wow. in total, so it's going to be nice to go visit the uh, Holy Land and the areas roundabout. Amen. We're talking about the headstone, Christ the Rejected Stone. And we found out that, uh, the, the, that man is the same and so is God. Man has fallen, of course, and man needs a relationship, a connection with God in order to be able to receive God's Word. Amen. God, we need His help. Uh, no man can come to the Father except the Father draw him. Amen. And so Jesus said that very clearly. He said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain. Amen. But what we're going to look at is, is not so much predestination because we could all say, well, hey, it's in the hands of God. And uh, if I'm predestinated, I'll make it. If I'm not, I won't. So I'll just leave it in the hands of God. Well, we're going to find there's a certain attitude that attracts God and God is attracted to. We're going to look at the earthly perspective, not the heavenly. And it's an attitude of humility. It's an attitude of meekness. It's an attitude that uh, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Amen. I'm searching and I want truth. God has obscured His truth on purpose. God is hidden and revealed in simplicity. That's why they rejected Jesus the first go around, and that's why the, the, ma the masses will reject Jesus the second go around, because he doesn't come the conventional way. Christ the rejected stone the first time came born of a woman, Amen. a virgin, and that was contested. And then he was a baby in a manger, and how can that be? We know his mother, Mary, and we know his father, Joseph. But what they didn't know was is that was a germinated blood cell. It was the blood of God in that little baby's Amen. body that was flowing. It was the creative blood of God, not the blood of a man, not the egg of a woman, but a germinated blood cell by Amen. God himself. Amen. So he was the word made flesh, but he didn't come the way man thought he would come. So we're gonna find that God's, not gonna, God's gonna do the same thing. He's gonna come in a way in which man's pride simply will not allow him to come. Amen. So if Jesus Christ were to return today, he would not come in a robe with sandals. He would not come with nail-scarred hands to us Gentiles, but he, would, but he would come the same way in which he came the first time, meek and lowly. He would come, uh, the Bible says, in a crowd. He wouldn't shout out. He wouldn't even quench a flax. That means he wouldn't blow out a candle. So he's going to come the same way. He's the meek and lowly one. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at the demure or the demeanor or the character or the nature of Jesus. And we're going to find that there's a similar character that God accepts and welcomes. And that's one of a meek and humble nature. Mm -hmm. In fact, the Bible says contrite. And that means actually a person who can be broken, mm. who can be smitten. And that gets us back to our rock our cornerstone. We find that Jesus said, I am that cornerstone and whoever falls upon me will be broken. But 
If they will refuse to follow me, they'll be crushed to powder. So let's just look at a scripture and we're going to uh, refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Now I'm going to read just really quick uh, in Matthew 18 while you're turning in your Bibles to Corinthians chapter 1. And we find an attitude among the disciples that God, that Jesus instantly rejected. And that was, is who shall be the greatest among the disciples? Amen. Who's going to be the leader? Who's going to be the head honcho? Jesus says, at that same time in Matthew 18, came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So obviously, they were arguing among themselves. Peter was saying, I'm the greatest. Maybe James was saying, no, I will be. And they were, they were arguing. And Jesus goes on to say, he calls a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, verily I say unto you, except you be transformed, converted, and become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That was revolutionizing. Amen. That concept was incredible because the governors of this world exercised power over man. And there was governors and there's kings and there's rulers. But Jesus said, let he that's the greatest among you be servant of all. What a concept. Jesus himself was God in flesh. And yet God came down, became kinfolk with us, bypassed the estate of, an of angels and became a man. And he then served us. He washed our feet. He furthermore died for us. Goes on to say, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such as this little child in my name, receiveth me. So God comes to those that are able and willing to humble themselves. Some excellent scriptures here we want to see that Paul was a wise man, prudent and brilliant, but he had a demeanor that could repent, that could confess his wrong. And he could even call himself the chiefest of sinners. And yet the, this same Paul that wrote the majority of the New Testament, uh, just a little aside, there were eight yeah. authors of the New Testament because in Micah chapter 5, verse 5, it says that uh, God would raise up uh, seven shepherds yeah. and eight principal men, and uh, that would be the uh, standard that he would raise up against the Assyrian, the, wow. the, uh, the enemy. And the seven shepherds we know are the seven church age messengers, Amen. Uh, shepherding each age to the truth. Yeah. And then the eight principal men are the eight authors of the New Testament, My. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then uh, uh, Paul, yep. and then uh, Peter, James, and uh, of course we've got John and already, John the Beloved, and then yeah. it's Jude. And Jude. So there's your eight authors of the New Testament, Beautiful. and Paul was one of them, but yep. he was the one that wrote the majority of the New Testament, mm -hmm. and yet this same Paul, in 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 uh, portraying his ministry, says this in First Corinthians chapter one verse seventeen. He's talking about himself, and he says, "For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ mm. should be made of none effect." Beautiful. And to stop there, um, the attitude and the approach towards God is not look at me and look how Beautiful. wonderful I am, but it's look at Christ and Hallelujah. look at what He's done. Look at Amen. the cross, look at Calvary. Amen. And Paul, in spite of the, the wonderfully uh, important position that yeah. he had, he had an esteemed position yeah. in God's economy. Yeah. He, he said, it's not my wisdom. It's not the wisdom of my words, Beautiful. but it's the cross of Christ you know, um, that when, should be made of none effect. When you said that about the cross of Christ, I was reminded of our prayer before we started these sessions. 
And our prayer, there's probably so 12 or so people in this uh, little studio right now. And our prayer was this, Father, forgive us of our sins. Amen. Thank you for the cross. Um, that's where we start every single day because right. we, we need the, the atonement that comes from a perfect lamb. Amen. And he who knew no sin became our sin. So we don't come, Brother Stephen, I, we don't come in our own righteousness, in our own, um, uh, e we're not equipped within ourselves to, to sit here and to speak to you. But Jesus Christ has made a way for us and we're underneath his blood. Amen. And we're coming because he has made us worthy. And it is not only the chemistry of that blood that that actually remits sin, but it's the life of that blood that comes back upon the believer and enables us to live the life of Jesus. Amen. We still make mistakes and we'll every single day of our life, we'll still have unpure motives and we'll have to check ourselves. So Jesus is there all the time, ever interceding for us. So I fall on my face every day and I confess my sins along with my children's sins. And we pray every evening before we go to sleep, all the kids and I and Debbie, and we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins. I have a 15 year old girl who's going through the uh, wonderful age of pubescence and growing up and all of the difficult transitions. And when I'm praying, she whispers in my ear every night and she says, and ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Amen. Because her, she's aware of her shortcomings. Well, that's the kind of attitude that God can respond to. Amen. Yeah. That's right. And, and he says to make the cross of none effect. It's interesting. Uh, Dwight L. Moody, just talking about repentance, he made a wonderful statement in the previous century evangelist here in America. And he said, you, if you are only born once, yeah. you'll die twice. Yeah, that's good. But if you're born twice then you'll only die once. Beautiful. If you die at all, of course, if yeah. you kept catching away of the church, you won't die at all. <laughs> I love that. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once. Beautiful. And that's what Paul said. Paul Amen. said Jesus died once and for all. Yeah. And if we believe that death and we, we make ourselves born again, Amen. then by believing on what Jesus did, then of course we only get to die once or even not die at all Amen. as part of the rapture. So Beautiful. Paul goes on, he says in verse 18, he says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Mm. And uh, the, he was quoting from Isaiah 29 verse 14. And so this was not a new thought to them, but it was it was a revolutionary thought Hallelujah. in that they had lost sight of this. Amen. They had a blind spot yeah. to this truth from Isaiah. Yeah. And they thought that they ha could find God My. through their own wisdom. My. And Paul goes on in verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Mm -hmm. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. My. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What I, I was thinking while you were reading, Brother Stephen, is, is that he was born a babe mm. and then he died on a cross. Right. I, I, total humility. Amen. I mean, his life was uh, one of death Amen. and dying. And what we want to see here is, is that God, God is attracted to and and a certain demeanor is attracted to God. Right. 
And Bible says that God dwells in the heavens. He's the high and lofty one. But he dwells with them of a broken spirit, those of a contrite heart. Amen. And so David said when he had sinned with Bathsheba, he had sinned, he said, sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not. In other words, David was saying, if you want me to offer a sacrifice, I will, and I have for my sin, but that's not really what you want. What you want is a broken and contrite Amen. spirit. Thou wilt not despise. Amen. Then he went on to say, you look for truth after the inward parts. And Brother Stephen and I were commenting a moment ago about uh, the demeanor, the attitude in which we approach God. Well, first of all, in a church service, we would reverence the sanctuary. How Amen. different right. it is to our day in America where they come in with their coffee and, and, and maybe they might leave their cigarettes outside right. and they sit down and they chat with one another until the song leader taps on the pulpit to get their attention. Why we should be walking into the sanctuary with reverence in our heart. That we're going to meet God. Amen. We should be dressed as nicely as we can. We're going to meet God. It's as if I was going to go visit the premier of a country, the president of the United States. I want to stand before him uh, in respectful attire. I'm not going to come to church in shorts or, or in, 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 in attire that is shoddy. If that's all I have, God accepts that. Right. But if I have something that I can stand before the king in that re represents respect, I'm going to wear that as well. So we find that there's many men in the Bible. The Bible says here, not many wise, not many noble. Now, not many wealthy. Why is that? You say, well, well then, you know, then does that count out the wise? No, that's not what it's really saying here. What it's saying is, is those that are wanting to govern themselves to control their own destiny, God can't help them. You must become as a child. Right. A child has to be led. A child forgives easily. A mom and a dad can be so upset about what the neighbor boy did to their boy, and they can be mad at those neighbors for months, but the next day that same child is playing with that same neighbor boy. Children forget quickly. They forgive quickly. And that's what Jesus wants when he, how he wants us to approach. The Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It doesn't say the strong, the capable, those with the most missiles will inherit the earth. It says, blessed are the meek. Think about that. The greatest armies won't inherit this earth. The greatest Napoleons or Hitlers won't inherit this earth. The child, the meek, the gentle, the lowly ones will inherit this earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not the rich in spirit. That's not what the Bible says. The poor, they're hungering for more. They're Amen. always needing more. They're, give us this day our daily bread. I need more. I need more. God, I, you filled me up yesterday, but fill me up again. Amen. That's the attitude that God comes to. If, it, look at the attitude of America. Well, it's one of arrogance. It's haughty. It's Hollywood. The American spirit is laughing and joking and frolic and, and, and sex and impurity. Right. And um, I can do it. I can handle it. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. So contrary to the meekness of God. Think about this now. Stop for a minute. Jesus said, I'm meek and lowly. Who was Jesus? God in flesh. Who is God then? God is meek. God Amen. is gentle. God is lowly. God is humble. He created the worlds. And yet he's humble and meek and gentle in spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, the Ephesians uh, tells us. We can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. So we can actually 
hurt or wound the Spirit of God. Amen. He's gentle. So we're talking about this cornerstone that was rejected. Notice who rejected him. The self-satisfied, the self-governing, the self-sufficient, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. God cannot come to that sort of attitude. He told his disciples, don't think about who's going to be the greatest. Become as a child. So we're talking about bypassing conventional wisdom. We have blind spots. And Brother Stephen uh, has so much to say. We were talking about this before the broadcast that I want you to be able uh, to hear from Brother Stephen now about attitudes of the heart in which we come to the Lord. Brother Jeff, I was just thinking, Jesus said in John chapter 5, and, uh, and uh, he was talking about the word is hid from the wise and the prudent. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on and he says to uh, his disciple, oh, excuse mm-hmm. me, um, it's in Luke chapter 10. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Jesus says uh, the wise and the prudent. And Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, blessed are your ears for they Hallelujah. hear. And then he goes on and he says those that... Um, that uh, became before. He says, prophets and kings, they desired. In fact, I'll read it to you. It's Luke 10, 10, verse 24. And he says, for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Prophets and kings, the the lofty ones, the ones that you would expect would see it, would hear it, would know it. And yet even they were not able to see the things which were revealed to these disciples. And so it is in our day, Brother Jeff, that we look around and there's so many that have the wisdom of the world. And uh, that scripture we were just reading in Corinthians, he says that the foolishness, the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And so there are many that have the position of leadership. that we look to for expert advice when it comes to spiritual matters. And yet, as Jesus said, they couldn't recognize him. They could not see and they could not hear the things which the disciples were privy to because they had accepted their position. Remember, they were unlearned men. They were were just fishermen. They wouldn't studied in in the schools of the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Mm -hmm. religious people of the day. And so they could receive Amen. the word in its simplicity. Beautiful. When Jesus came in the in the when God stepped into the package mm. of a man from Nazareth, yeah. the Pharisees said, What good thing can come out of Nazareth? Yeah. And they rejected the package. Yeah. But the disciples looked beyond that and they saw something that that they were willing to drop their nets and follow after. And I believe that God's looking for people just like that today you know, that'll when, drop their nets. When you were saying that um, I thought of Jesus when he said, I thank thee, Father, heaven Amen. and earth, heaven, uh, Father of heaven and earth, yes. that thou hast hid these things from the eyes of the wise and prudent and delivered unto babes such right. as would learn. Right. And when you think about that, many times the Bible says in one place, Jesus, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Amen. So right is, there. is right. he even saying, is Jesus saying that if you're educated and intelligent, and you are a searching individual like a scientist will search out something that you can't receive Christ? No. no. It's a, uh, educated people can receive the Lord. Intelligent people can receive the Lord. He's not condoning ignorance. It's the attitude of the heart. People Amen. who lean on their education, people who lean on uh, or might have a superior attitude because they have a degree. God cannot come to people with superior attitudes. That's what it's saying because he doesn't, God is a creator of heavens and earth and he doesn't have a superior <laughs> attitude. In fact, he, he's lowly 
and he came to serve humanity. Amen. And so if that were the case, if, if wise people couldn't receive Jesus, then Paul couldn't receive him. Then Solomon, the wisest man in the world, couldn't receive him. Then Moses, a brilliant, uh, a brilliant general and right. soon to be Pharaoh of Egypt, couldn't receive him. But look at Moses' life. The first 40 years, he was a failure. The second 40 years, he was in the wilderness raising sheep. And the last 40 years, he was God's man. Amen. God had to take Moses out of Moses to allow him to be. Paul the apostle had to be smitten off his high horse right. and land in the dust and look up into the pillar of fire and say, Lord, who are you? If you are in a critical condition right now in your life, maybe sickness, maybe illness, maybe finances, maybe you're on your back right now watching this program in the hospital, whatever it might be, God may be getting your attention. God may be breaking the pride that's hindering you from coming to the, from the Lord Jesus. You know, we, we talk about conventional wisdom. And Brother Stephen has a story that I want him to tell you about Cliff Young because all of Australia said he couldn't do it. That's right. This was in 1983, Brother Jeff. And you know, this idea of conventional wisdom, I'll just mention this, in 1911, uh, Marshall Ferdinand Falk yeah. said that airplanes are interesting toys, but they have no military value. <laughs> and you, we know the effect that uh, that air warfare has yeah. completely changed yes. uh, how battles are fought. And then in Business Week, American publication in 1958, that's only less than 50 years ago yeah. now, he said, this article said, with over 50 foreign cars already on sale in the United States, the Japanese auto industry isn't likely to carve out a big slice of the U.S. market. Oh. <laughs> and so that was the conventional wisdom. These were the experts in those days predicting the future and missing it completely. Missing it completely. And uh, that's, what, that's what Jesus and Paul are referring to, the wisdom of this world, foolishness to God. Foolishness because to God. it makes, it, it doesn't, uh, factor in yeah, yeah. Uh, that God works in simplicity. simplicity. God takes the foolishness, the foolish things of this world and he confounds the wise. Beautiful. And so what we see in the story of Cliff Young, and we've only got a couple of minutes, uh, in 1983, he arrived to run uh, in an ultra marathon from uh, Sydney to Melbourne uh, in Australia. Yeah. And it was a race, it's 875 kilometers and It'd be approximately 600 miles. And uh, this is a formidable race. I once seconded uh, somebody in a 100-mile race, and that took 24 hours. So yeah. this is a race that's going to take five days. And uh, this man arrives, and uh, nobody could accept that he was uh, a, 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 a serious competitor because <laughs> uh, of his appearance. They, they didn't trust the packaging. Yeah. And uh, here he is, 61 years old. Um, he has no teeth. Uh, he's dressed in uh, Oshkosh overalls, uh, like a farmer, even with the boots of a farmer, oh. with, uh, with galoshes on, Wellington boots. And uh, they could not believe that he was going to be able to run this race. And, um, you know, they asked him, where did you train? Yeah. Who was your coach? Yeah. Uh, whose teachings did you sit under? Which sports psychologist has prepared you? <laughs> uh, what sports uh, medicine doctor has, uh, has evaluated you uh, to make sure that physically you could uh, run a race of this kind, an endurance race? Yeah. And you know, in Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says that we're in a race and it says, he that endures to the end, the same shall Amen. be saved. And Paul says, I've, I've, I've run the race and henceforth there's a crown mm. laid up for me in glory. Mm. So we're in a race 
And uh, it's an endurance race. It's a long distance race. And they looked at his preparation and they said, you couldn't do it. And uh, well, you know what? He was left behind. They took off running uh, with their specially prepared uh, uh, running shoes and, and uh, their training. And he was left behind. And he was just shuffling. He wasn't even running, mm. and they couldn't believe that he was going to uh, uh, last for very long at all. But, you know, he was too far behind for him to get the truth about how a race like this should be run. And uh, so he just ran it the way he'd always done it on his sheep farm, chasing down sheep, trying to get them into ahead uh, of the storm. Uh, they had over 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres, and uh, he'd just run for days and days. Mm -hmm. So he didn't know the truth about how an ultramarathon like this should be run, and uh, so he just kept on running. And uh, they would run 18 hours, and they were taught to sleep six hours, and then run another 18 and sleep six hours, because other, the body couldn't handle it. Well, we know what happened. He won the race. He not only won the race, he broke the record by nine hours and 14 minutes. <laughs> and the reason is that uh, he didn't uh, sleep. So he hadn't been to their school to receive the truth about mm. how a race like that should be wow. run. And so he went on and he established a new way of running oh. ultra marathons. Nowadays, nobody hardly sleeps uh, in this five-day race. And, uh, and, they, and a lot of them, three winners now, have used what's called the Young Shuffle. Oh, and my. so it's a whole different uh, way of uh, running a race. And yet they couldn't trust the packaging of, uh, of a person that would come and teach them how to run that race. And that is what we have today. God comes in a humble package. And often he doesn't come the way our teaching, our education, or our, our, our seminary will teach us. You get into the word and you pray, God will lead you. Hello, friends. Wasn't that an interesting story about uh, Cliff Young, the Australian long-distance runner? He broke every rule in the book, and he broke the records at the same time. You know, there's a race that we're running as Christians, and uh, we're, we're, we're headed for a prize, brother and sister. It's not a monetary prize. It's not a prize of fame and glory. It's a prize of eternal life. And many people today suffer from what is known physiologically as scotoma. Scotoma is a blind spot. It's when you look right at something and you don't see it. Have you ever lost your keys and you walked around saying, where are my keys? Where are my keys? And they're staring you right in the face and somebody else walks up and says, but they're right in front of you. That's the same thing that could be happening today. You think you know so many things uh, the way that you've been taught them, but that may not necessarily be true. Tune in again to another broadcast of Global Answers for the truth for this day. Friends, today's program, Christ the Cornerstone, as well as a sermon by Pastor Jeff Jenkins entitled The Chief Cornerstone, are both available on DVD. To order these DVDs, visit us on our website at globalanswers.us or write to Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. We encourage you to write us with any comments or questions about our program. Your feedback is very important to us and we look forward to hearing from you. Our email address is info at globalanswers.us. Thanks for joining us today, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.